Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We explore a kitchen garden with style and substance. The stunning Suffolk kitchen garden of Catherine Horwood Barwise balances good looks with practicality and the joy of exceptional homegrown produce. Benedict Van Heems went to meet her. The quintessentially Suffolk town of Clare is a hodgepodge of thatch cottages, timber frame delights and handsome Georgian buildings – the historic town grew rich on the wool trade and oozes the sort of charm and character that makes it a place where you'll want to linger and explore. Clare is also home to the most incredible garden. Richmond House and its verdant plantsman's paradise, lovingly tended by Catherine Horwood Barwise. Catherine and husband Paddy came to Clare in 2009 specifically to indulge Catherine's passion. I've been a serious gardener in London for many years, but ended up with a roof garden where I really couldn't grow everything I wanted, so we started looking around. When we came across Richmond House and the magic words walled garden, I immediately fell in love. Catherine had a five-year plan to build on the legacy of the previous owners, who were also keen gardeners. Starting at the top of the garden, where today's kitchen garden is, Catherine has systematically transformed the third of an acre plot into a fine example of English country gardening at its best. Pleached hornbeams frame steps up to parallel borders, stuffed to the gunnels with sweeping perennials and grasses. The beds are designed to be low maintenance, explains Catherine. Suffolk may be one of the driest counties in the country, yet these borders never get watered. Between this formal area and the kitchen garden is a more informal area that has a natural, wilder feel to it. Its shadier corners allow for a different palette of plants to that seen elsewhere in the garden. Like the more formal beds, I wanted a long season of interest here, so there are thousands of spring bulbs followed by species of roses, peonies and other flower-rich sprawlers. Growing Desire but it's the kitchen garden that is the hub of Richmond House. This is where Catherine has built her dream greenhouse. It forms the centrepiece to an orderly yet visually stunning potager-style mix of vegetables, immaculately trained top fruit and frothy flowers. 
Most of the plants are contained within a classic layout of raised beds, no more than 1.2 metres, 4 feet, across to enable the centre of each to be reached from the paths. The soil here is quite flinty, so the raised beds mean I can enrich the soil above the stony ground, making cultivation an awful lot easier, she adds. Despite the stones, the soil is actually very good. We believe there was a small holding here a long time ago and that they may have kept pigs because the soil's that rich. Raised beds naturally lend themselves to the easier organisation of practical considerations, such as crop rotation, while the gravel paths framing the beds keep everything neat and tidy. The gravel was poured over a weed-suppressing membrane which cuts the time spent weeding this intensively planted area. Nerve centre. The Victorian-style greenhouse serves as the propagation nerve centre. Almost all of the vegetables, excluding root crops such as carrots, are started off in module trays. I prefer sowing into cells because it makes spacing out the final plants much easier and I want to get the spacing right. It saves time thinning too and it's easier on the eye. Even the beetroot is started off in cells, ensuring prudent use of seeds. Alongside the serried ranks of seedlings are plenty of horticultural treasures including scented pelagoniums and a summer trio of tomatoes with favourites such as Gardener's Delight and Sun Gold, joined by heritage beauties such as the dusky Russian Black Prince. This near-black tomato is packed full of antioxidants, the sort of quirky variety loved by ethnobotanist James Wong, who shared this tip on picking them with Catherine. I wasn't sure how to tell when the fruits are ripe. James advised that if you peel back the calyx at the top of the fruit, you should be able to see the coloration beneath. That's the cue that they are ready. It's a simple tip, but it's made all the difference. Top of the crops. Back outside, Catherine has been careful to grow only those vegetables that work hard for the space they occupy. Towering steeples of runner beans add welcome height, each chosen for its reliable performance, such as white-flowering snowstorm and red and pink bicoloured tender star, whose smooth and tender stringless pods combine characteristics of French beans with their more rambunctious cousin. Climbing French bean, Blowhild, with its showy purple pods is another favourite. I save seeds from the beans from one year to the next, says Catherine. The other seeds I always save are from my African marigold, cinnabar. The seeds originally came from Great Dixter. Lots of these are grown in the raised beds as companion plants, particularly around the carrots. Companion planting is a strong feature here, with insect pullers such as calendula, Cosmos and chives, helping to draw in pollinators and keep pests in check. I refuse to spray, so this is the only way I can control pests. It seems such an obvious way of doing things, and it's incredibly beautiful, of course. Not all pests can be thwarted this way, however. Pigeons are nuisance number one, attacking leafy vegetables such as kale, spinach and chard. A defensive battalion of nets and wire mesh keeps them off the prize veggies, while fine netting is employed against cabbage-white butterflies.
Space is pretty tight in the kitchen garden, so I tend to avoid space-hungry vegetables, including most of the brassicas. I tried purple sprouting broccoli one year, which I love, but it took up so much room and then the pigeons went for it. I've got to the stage where I only grow what I know will work in the space I've got. Even traditionally loutish plants such as courgettes have been tamed, with patio and compact varieties such as green tiger opted for in place of traditional sprawlers. Fruity faves. The fruit cage is home to Catherine's favourites, autumn fruiting raspberries. The autumn fruiters have such a better flavour than summer types. I'm growing Joan Jay. The fruits are a real treat, though I also have a row of tullamine. Sheltered between the raspberries are strawberries, planted into old water barrels that have been cut in half and punctured at the base for drainage. The barrels raise the strawberries clear of the ground, keeping the fruits cleaner and making picking easier. By elevating the strawberries like this, it also means that the soil inside warms up quicker in spring, promising a head start on the season. The plants inside the fruit cage benefit from some very lucky chickens who are let in to clean up, taking care of pests and depositing fertiliser as they work. The raspberries love it, Catherine loves it and no doubt the chickens are pretty happy with this arrangement too. Other fruits in the garden include some meticulously trained pears, Beth and Concord, that went in during Catherine's first season at Richmond House. They were essentially bought as baby espeliers, a few steps on from maidens, and they've matured really well, says Catherine. Joining the pears is a peregrine peach, fan-trained to soak up the sun along the back wall, plus an opal plum. We also inherited four very large apple trees. I had no idea what varieties they were, so got them sent off to Brogdale, home of the National Fruit Collections, for identification. Three of them were identified as Laxton, Superb, Allington Pippin and good old Bramley, though one remains a mystery. The trees are so large that the fruit usually bruises as it hits the ground, so I've put in some smaller trees along the back wall. Catherine shows me her nifty gadget she uses to hoover up the apples. I held off buying one for a long time because it's so expensive, but I couldn't be without it now. You just move it along the ground and it gathers up the apples. It's just incredible. Completing the fruit lineup is rhubarb and lots of it. Timply Early features heavily, but for Catherine it is red champagne. That's the winner, which she cooks up very simply with just a little dash of water to lightly stew it. It's got such a good flavour that you hardly need any sugar to sweeten it. Time to sit back. I point out the bench to the side of the kitchen garden and ask Catherine if she ever gets time to use it. Not very often, but my husband does. It is lovely to look across there and into the informal garden beyond. Viewpoints are very important, even in the vegetable garden. To me, the kitchen garden isn't simply a utility area. It's very much part of the garden. In fact, it's my favourite area because so much is going on here. Richmond House is open under the National Garden Scheme, which doesn't leave much time for Catherine to sit down and admire her handiwork. 
The approach of an open day certainly keeps you on your toes. This year we're open on May the 15th, so it's been a very busy start to the growing season. Busy, perhaps, but something tells me Catherine wouldn't have it any other way. Come and visit. Take a tour around Richmond House Gardens for yourself. The gardens open on Sunday, May the 15th, from 2 till 5 p.m. Admission, £3.50. Children are free. Sampling of homemade cakes and tea a must. For further details, visit www.ngs.org.uk and search Richmond House. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.